0: don't build themselves. What's up, and welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators those brave enough to build their dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money more time and feel more fulfilled working with me will support you in making that life a reality. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes, Google play or YouTube. Follow me inspirational Alex on Instagram, and please share this podcast with a friend. Ashley, it's so nice to have you here. I am first of all, I don't even want to step over the fact that you are here in the midst or in the after effects of the hurricane that is that is moving through or has moved through, you, you'll have to give us more information, but uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. So thanks for making this possible um, and being here and 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 not looking like a hurricane hit you or your home or anything else. Uh, the Everyone listening to this is gonna be just still lucky to be with all the things you have to bring. Um, so Ashley Savolka is a, you're a coach, you're a transformational coach. You Mm -hmm. are also a mother and wife, but what I've learned about you is you work with women across the globe to remember their perfect purpose, passion, and freedom. Mm -hmm. Your programs transform people's lives and you help women to trust their intuition so they can courageously create the lives they really want. And I love that you have you incorporate your personal journey and experience into your work. So like your experience as a mother, uh, which can be in a challenging or confusing time is something that you have the experience of. And you're using that to help other women find clarity. Mm That's it's, it's it's amazing work. I know I work mostly with men. You work mostly with women. Um, Is there anything else you want people to know before we kind of jump in um, about you or the work you do?
1: Um, I just recently launched a program called Passionately Free. So that's an online program that's all about walking women through the process of really doing the personal development work to listen to and trust their intuition and to dive into all the stuff that's been holding them back so that they can tap into their purpose and create a career from that place. And then what it helps you do is actually launch a purpose-driven career in business. So... I launched that a few months ago. Um, and that's been a lot of fun because it's a lot of the work I've been doing for the past six years, all compiled into this program that women can do at their own pace, whether they're folding laundry, running around with their kids, (laughs) or if they just want to like sit and do it before they go to bed, it made it really accessible. And what's great is it's also built this incredible community of women that are supporting one another as they go through these huge life transformations and changes. Um, and I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of it, but that's
0: also included in my work now too. Awesome. And I know we're going to, we're going to touch on the things that got me really excited to talk to you is when we connected to talk about creating this together, the yeah. things that stood yeah. out were, um, I mean, I'll just say it because this is what we're talking about is fuck perfection. Yeah. Fuck Please. labels and fuck <laughs> labels and being in a box and yeah. perfectionism in general like the traps of that is that all incorporated into those programs too is that? Good? Yes.
1: Hugely so. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like the theme of my life just only because I strove so long for perfection so I'm very well versed in many of the traps that are hidden within that label. So yes, it's included in all the work I do and speaking and everything.
0: Nice. I think um I never thought I was a perfectionist. I think I told you this, that I realized only not that long ago that I am like a secret perfectionist. Yeah. It's not in the ways that people would necessarily see or in necessarily the work I produce. Mm -hmm. But it's this high standard that I hold for myself that's actually not possible to reach in a lot of ways. Sure. For men, that's a thing that perfection might look different than it does for... All the women I know, it kind of seems to look the same. Mm -hmm. And the men that I know, it's this different way that it looks Mm -hmm. and obviously that's it's probably more about masculine and feminine and male and female
1: yeah i think it's also just like um the societal expectations that are put on us regarding each gender so it's like it's easy to you know see what society is deeming as perfect um especially for women that's been highlighted a little bit longer but for men i feel like there's starting to really talk about it the conversation starting to come out of like all of the expectation around work and um athleticism and all the things that guys just grin and bear and like did it (laughs) and didn't talk about hey maybe i don't want to be doing it in this fashion um that's why i think it can be perhaps even more sneaky for you guys
0: i don't know making no that's great You said that really well. It it is. It's because it's not the way we see perfectionism, the way it's like labeled growing up or the things we see, but it's totally there. It just looks totally different. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can we, I just want to touch on, because I think it was kind of cool. We, we, you know, I asked you before we hopped on, like how you were doing with the hurricane and everything. And then we actually looked at it from the lens of like how life works. Yeah. Can you share a little bit? Because you're, I mean, you're in, we're recording this. I'm in San Diego. It's like there's nothing wrong here at the moment, um, and you're in Charleston, South Carolina, and you just experienced something that I mean, people don't want to experience. It's not something people don't choose to be in hurricanes.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, so we got really lucky, first of all, that um, we didn't actually get hit by the hurricane. However, like this season rolls around every year. And so, you know, you're going to get it. If you live in Charleston, it's not like an avoidable thing. We just don't know if we're going to actually get a storm. Um, But there's, there's, we could talk about this like for the whole podcast and how it relates to life, but we're not going to do that. Um, But I, I was just observing and really laughing at both myself and just the whole scene regarding hurricanes because It's the environment. So we don't really have any control over the environment, which I think is applicable to um, life in general. Like a lot of times we don't have control over our environment, but we do have control how we respond to it and the choices we make within it. And so like, that was my big thing walking away from the hurricane. It's like, you could choose to make this complete and utter chaos. You could choose to buy into everything the media is saying, or you know, for me, I was like, shit, let's make this a family adventure. So we went to Disney world, you know, and we just like made the most of it. Our daughter had the time of her life. It was an amazing bonding experience with our family. We stopped watching the news because for our sanity, we had to, and then we came back and we were, we were fortunate, you know, I'd be singing a very different tune if our house had been destroyed. And, you know, the very unfortunate things that are happening for so many people in North Carolina. Um, but but I do think so much of it is just how we respond. And that was really highlighted in a scary scenario where they were saying in many ways, they were predicting that it could have, you know, wiped out Charleston had it gone south.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, what I what I I mean, what I get from that is even if you do have your house taken from you, um, you get to choose who you get to be about that. Now mm-hmm. nobody's gonna be like, Yay, I'm so happy this happened. Mm-hmm. And you get to choose, like, are you going to focus on um, maybe that you're alive, that your life mm-hmm. wasn't taken or that your family's lives or that you have an opportunity to rebuild. But there's there's usually we get to I think that's the one thing is we get to choose who we're going to be about it, regardless okay. of how how intense or not intense it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad yeah, nothing happened. Let
1: yourself to you. have a freak out. Like, you know, if you're freaked out, like freak out for a little bit. then and then get over it like just don't dwell in that space you know we've had damage done to our home from um not a hurricane but a serious flood that happened here and we got a brand new kitchen so i was like well that's cool we got a brand new kitchen i mean like you know it's like we're either gonna be pissed about it and dwell and like just talk about everything that went wrong or just make the most of it and i know that's easier said than done given certain circumstances However, I think for the most part, we do always have the choice about how we're going to be regarding any situation.
0: Yeah. We might not like the situation, but we have a choice mm-hmm. in this situation. Well, how does this play into, let's look at, um, how, let t- let's talk about your story. Cause you don't wake up one day and just fuck perfection, you know, fuck labels and boxes. How did this, like, how does this incorporate into your own life? and your journey?
1: Well, I'm a rebel at heart and I always have been, um, which has gotten me into a ton of trouble. Like, you know, like I, because I haven't really ever gone, um, on the, on the well-paved path, if you will, you know? And so I grew up in the Northeast in Connecticut where, uh, going to, Elite schools were, was very much what people did. You know, I would say probably 70% of my graduating school, high school went to some type of Ivy League school and I had zero interest in doing that. So right. Like from a very young age, I knew like, okay, i got to kind of figure this out. But I also, um, because I never really fit in where I grew up, I had, my own set of like really big challenges. And I I had a very serious eating disorder for a long time, which landed me in many hospitals. And I missed a lot of school, a year total of high school. But, but what I now see from that experience is that I was, I was trying to disappear you know, like I was starving myself to the point that hoping I could just like disappear from the intensity of life. And when I finally made the decision to stop doing that and to stop thinking that like, I had to be a certain way in order to be able to survive and to like actually do what I wanted in life. The more I, I kind of got a crash course on getting to know myself that a lot of kids in high school didn't get because I was in therapy, I was in all these things that really made me go inside. Fast forward to, um, I took that extreme tendency I had with obsessing and and thoughts to to the opposite. So I like flipped it on its head. So what used to be super negative self-talk, I healed myself with the eating disorder by recognizing like, I'm the only person that's creating this misery and this illness within myself. So I'm the only person that has a choice to do otherwise. And it came about from a conversation with my dad of him saying exactly that, like, you're the only person that has the power to choose your thoughts. No doctor can do that for you. And we've sent you to a team of doctor for 10 years now. So finally at 22, I was like, fuck, he's right. Like, which was so annoying. It's like I heard him say it so many times. I was like, God yeah. damn it. He's like, You could be anything, Ashley. You could be a rocket scientist. And he was a rocket scientist at the time. And I was like,
0: Ugh. Wait, wait, your dad is a rocket scientist?
1: Yeah. I'm like, Yeah, that's what I want to be, dad, a rocket scientist. So the whole thing was like funny, slash, annoying at the time. But then I just became obsessed. And I became obsessed with learning about personal development and spirituality and the power of our thoughts and quantum physics. And that led me to. Where I am now with this work and what I realized in the work I do now is how often people are striving for this perfection that they've been fed by labels they think they need to fall under, you know, achievements they think they need to have because of what their parents told them or teachers told them. And it's all the things that are taking them further away from listening to their soul. And so it's that disconnection that's creating so much of the chaos in their life because they keep denying their intuition. So it's like looking for love in all the wrong places is the easiest way to put it. know. Yeah? So that's why I just say, fuck it. Like nobody knows, literally nobody except you, what you need to be doing in your life.
0: And then, so you, you got like the crash course version of this. Yeah. and. <laughs> I kind of, my version is a little crash course too. And it kind of like hit me in the, like, I always say like life punched me in the nose and it Mm -hmm. woke me up and I had to, like, I had a, I had a moment where I just couldn't continue to live the way I was living. My life was fine, but inside, like, I Mm -hmm. just couldn't keep, if I kept living like that, Mm -hmm. it was, I was just gonna be miserable and never satisfied and unhappy. And I think I, I got lucky in that I opened my eyes and I got woken up. Um, I don't, I think this happens for every, there's opportunities for everyone, but everybody, it's not as maybe as obvious as it was for you or me. Um, how do people see it from your perspective when it's not like a, you know, a car crash that wakes them up or a divorce or some sort of thing that happens? How Mm -hmm. do people actually get to open their eyes to, you know, maybe their the, to finding themselves or possibility? You know, what do you see in that?
1: So like the drip effect, right? Like if they're slow, like they're getting the slow drip effect of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think often people do wake up until it gets bad enough. I think here's the thing. I don't think people by nature are willing to change until they get so sick of feeling like shit that they're willing to change. Because think about it. It's like if people had that level of willingness to change, like you do when you've either had a traumatic event or something really big happened, then we'd be changing all the time. But people don't do that because they they get so comfortable and complacent in their comfort zone that it becomes really hard. And all a comfort zone is, is a habit. So people, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, it takes cataclysmic events or something very close to it to wake people up, you know? So clients that come to me are either like on the brink of that, or or they're in it. You know, they've either had something that woke them up or they're like, they're feeling it coming. Their health is being affected. Their marriage is falling apart. Their career is like slowly eroding at their soul. Like whatever it is, it's never like, things are pretty good. (laughs) You know, I just don't, I don't think people are usually very inspired to change unless they're actually seeing tangible reasons why it's a good idea too.
0: what's the for you what's because changes I mean change is always happening right like there's yeah. always change going on we resist we're resisting it a lot what's yeah. the thing for you where you resist change
1: oh all the time like I resist stuff all the time <laughs> um when you say that would you mean like with it behaviors thoughts like just in general
0: well, yeah, I mean, like for me, I know that um, <laughs> I almost always have to push against things yeah. before I can actually say yes to them. So I have that rebel in the like, everything's a no. My mom yeah. tells this great story about when I was like two or three. She was like, Alex, do you want a cookie? And she like kind of held it out. And as I yelled at her, no, I snatched the cookie out of her hand. Oh my God, so <laughs> and, and she always reminds me like, you've always, this is, you learned this early on. And, and now I have the people that support me and my colleagues and my coaches, uh, I get a lot of that, like, Hey, why don't you just get the no out of the way so you can come around to the yes. Sure. Yeah. So that's an area where I res- like, I hold on to letting that go.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, that's brilliant. And what a great, um, visual you have for like yourself when you see yourself wanting to do now, um, I would say two things. One is that maybe it's even three things. So one being the habit of playing small. Like I think I'm, con- I'm pretty consistently like pushing through that resistance uh, just in general, which I think a lot of people are. Um, it's just become more and more apparent to me the older that I get. I was re- I was, uh, which, you know, whatever the justification may be, I do that. I feel like uh, being fully seen, I'm, I'm finally now getting comfortable with that. But for a long time, I was scared shitless of that just because I was bullied pretty heavily as a kid. So like, I get so afraid. The Like the little girl inside me gets so scared of like what's going to happen. Um, but my adult headset is like, whatever, which is where the fuck perfect stuff comes from too. Um, so definitely like, consistently moving past the playing small and having the courage to do what I know I'm here to do. And then secondly, and very much like in alignment with that is letting go of habits that I know don't serve me, which I think is like pretty hard. You know, um, I think we're pretty hardwired to do things that feel good sometimes, but necessary that aren't necessarily in alignment with who we're growing into. And I would say that that's something I resist quite a bit.
0: <laughs> I love the the um, playing small piece because yeah. I see that and I know you see it with your clients. I mean, I see it constantly with mine where, hey, we're, I, we, we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about, you know, the conversation that you might have with a client about like why they can't get up in the morning or uh, a really small conversation that yes, it matters in their life, right? Like if they can get up, they can do something, but it's, it's like this small distraction from what they really could be capable of or what we could be talking about. Mm -hmm. And where do you, how do you get, well, let's look at you first. I'm curious, like how you get yourself out of playing small Mm. and then how you do that with people you work with. I'm curious about you first, really.
1: Well, I think like we're always teaching, you know, I'm sure you see this in your practice. Like we're always teaching what we need to know the most, you know? So it's not like, I don't think anybody has completely mastered something and they never need to like revisit it again. I don't think anybody on this planet has done that. I think if they have, they're probably slightly delusional a little bit. Like I think, you know, because we're not, we're not perfect. Like we're flawed humans that, bump up against her own shit all the time so so for me how that shows up mostly obvious I would say it's like an obvious uh area of life is in career because like I know what I want to do I know the influence I want to I want to create in the world I know the message I want to spread and um what I do to move through it is when I notice myself having the dialogue of reasons why not to, or, um, pretty much giving into resistance every way imaginable and like not doing the thing I know I want to be doing is I, I schedule it and I keep a promise to myself because I think that's where self-trust comes from. You know, it comes from keeping your promises to yourself. So, um, so that, like, I take action even when I don't want to, <laughs> and that—that's
0: that. been it's, really it's, helpful. And basically, what, I tell my
1: my to do the same thing.
0: Yeah, I love what i, I love that because it's. I, I talk a lot about feel like commitments over your feelings. Yeah, um, which is huge for me, right? Like, that's the thing I need to, to. Is like our feelings. Yeah, they matter, and we get we they're human, and we need to process them. But yeah. when our feelings control our lives, yeah, and we start letting them decide how our life goes versus our commitments, which is what we want to be up to in the world and whatnot.
1: Yeah. So I love how you just said that because I've been thinking about that a lot where it's like, I'm I'm a, I'm a visual person. Like I'm very much like a visionary. I see visions. They usually come into fruition. And so um, it's really important for me to honor those visions, even if they make no sense to anybody else. However, it's like, are my choices in alignment with becoming that vision? And if I'm giving into my feelings on days where it's like, well, I don't feel like sitting down and writing, you know, a thousand words, but is, well, that's fine. But like, is that going to get you closer to writing the book you want to write or whatever it may be? Right. So it's like, I've been thinking about that a lot because it's, it's too easy to give into feelings on a regular basis. That's not to say to not honor them, but if it's not, if you're not really considering who you want to be in the world and showing up as that person, then your integrity is going to suck, you know? And we all, I think that's like an ongoing life lesson. Do I nail that every day? No, I'm human. But like, I think that's like a consistent conversation I have with myself. It's a conversation my husband has with himself So, um, I think that's really important.
0: How does it play into, I'm thinking about the, like playing small Mm -hmm. and being, and combined with like the being seen Mm -hmm. in the, how perfection and labels keep that, that like, um, almost like in existence. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What do you, how do you, how do you see those tying together?
1: How, Perfection and labels coexist cool. and basically, like, keep the machine running?
0: Yeah, with, in, in, in the conversation of playing small and yeah. the, um, being seen.
1: Yeah, so I always say to my clients, like, perfection or perfect is just a sexy word for fear. So it's like, you, you're just using a sexy word that society has, like, made into this thing that it's not. Because you're scared, can we just like get real about that first, and let's talk about why you're scared, and then how you're going to move through it. That's it, right? So it's like, um, it's actually pretty easy. We just, I always say, I swear a lot. I hope your listeners don't (laughs) don't get upset by that.
0: It's great. I always say that
1: like human beings just love to complicate the shit out of things. So it's like that, that being another one. You know, it's like. You're just striving for perfection because you're scared that if it doesn't fit into a box, that like something's going to happen to you. Ultimately it's leading to like, you think you're going to die if you're not approved of or whatever it may be, but you're not, you're just going to grow and grow more confidence if you take the risk. But holding back is absolutely going to make you feel smaller and smaller and smaller because you're feeding the fear
0: how do you know when you're trying to make something better, improve something, you know, hit a standard that you have, which there's nothing wrong with any of these things versus that, that I want to call it like a fine line where it becomes perfection.
1: Sure. Oh, I think that's an ongoing dialogue. I think, um, I think anything, any of us are doing, no matter what field you're in, like our number one focus needs to be, are are we adding value? You know, like it's not even really about us at the end of the day for any of us. And I don't care what field you're in. It's like, are you adding value to whoever is buying whatever it is you're offering? And so it's like, if that's your main focus, and how can I have more value and how could I make it more interesting? And how can I, you know, then you take, um, you kind of give up a bit of the ego. Like we talked about earlier, it's like you kind of give up worrying about what it looks like so much because you're so focused on, um, being of service. Whereas when you're focused on getting it perfect and getting it right, that, that quickly becomes like a landslide of wanting the accolades and wanting it to be, you know, having way too many expectations of the outcome. And so I think if we just stay focused and this is an ongoing conversation for me and for, for my peers, for my colleagues, for my, you know, clients is, okay, how can I value and how can I get clear with the outcome that I want while also detaching from the outcome? And I think that is probably one of the hardest things as an entrepreneur personally is detaching the outcome
0: yeah letting go of your attachment to yeah how how you want things to go or how you think they should go yeah i'm right there with you i love how you said um being it's like being of service versus getting it right totally like for me that's the visual like that i can see as as it's an easy place that as a human being anyone doing anything could go you know whether you're a an architect a mechanic a model i mean it doesn't matter um, mm-hmm. a, a, a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist, mm-hmm. you can go, am I being of service and providing value or am I trying to get something right? And yeah. yet, yeah, no, no. Go. What were you going to say?
1: Totally. Because you think about it, it's like one is so fluid and the other one is so rigid. One is like, you're kind of on pins and needles when you're thinking about getting it right. Whereas one is like way more fluid and being in the flow and just, um, offering versus doing and motivating and forcing and those they're two totally different energies and two totally different mindsets.
0: Yeah. And the thing that this kind of takes us to um you actually have to be willing to get messy. Oh. To do to do any of this. Like anyone you know like you or me, anyone trying this, anyone You know, anyone experimenting with trying things different or getting out of their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. um, people listening to this, it's it requires a whole lot of I always think of it like when we're riding a bike for the first time, like it requires falling off your bike. Or if you do yoga, like trying to get into a handstand and flipping all the way over. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you how do you deal with the messiness of. Kind of the not knowing how, figuring it out, letting go of perfection.
1: Hmm. Um, well, well, my number one answer is always lightheartedness. So it's like, if I can't stand taking myself too seriously. Um, because I just think it makes life really boring and monotonous and not exciting. So well, for one, it's lightheartedness when I have a hard time accessing the lightheartedness, um, I like to talk it out because whenever I talk it out, I either hear how ridiculous I sound or somebody else tells me how ridiculous the expectations are that I'm putting on myself. So that's really helpful. And then I also think it's helpful to just like get completely out of whatever the situation is that's causing angst and go do something fun. So nothing like really that earth shattering, just pretty simple.
0: (laughs) And what do you do to support, like, is it, how do you, I'm trying to, it's, I'm trying to like put this into words, but like, how do you, um, how do you hold yourself to the standards, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're, um, that you're doing the, for the work that you're doing with clients, the courses you're teaching, what keeps you raising that bar? Um, keeps your integrity in check, keeps you from slipping into your ego. What's Mm -hmm. the, what are the structures or mechanisms that you kind of have going for you?
1: Well, I've named my ego, so that makes it helpful. Mm -hmm. And I know when she's being, I call her my bitchy inner critic, and she's really loud and bossy and her name's Shaniqua. And so like, I just have a little talk with her and we, we work it out. So that's helpful, which I know to some people are like, that sounds crazy. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's helpful for me to like decipher the two, like my wisdom versus when she's talking to me. Um, what else do I do? I, I mean, I do all the practices that I'm teaching my clients. So this isn't something that I've like done once and think it works and then I forget about it. So that's another part of it, and I, um, I'm always studying. Like I'm a nerd at heart. Like I just am always studying. I'm always reading another book or learning another tool or practice or skill set in business or personal development, whatever it may be. Like my husband's like, "Are you reading another personal development book? <laughs> like how many are you going to read?" And I can't even count how many I have. Um, and then lastly, and I think really importantly, I surround myself with people who, are, who share similar values as I, as I have and who um, who hold themselves accountable. I think that's really important. So, yeah, it's not just one thing. It's multiple. How, do you,
0: how would you, for people that are like, you know, everybody has some version or some, you know, either either they're a perfectionist have some version of it or they have the the flip side of the coin, which is like a kind of not almost like a not caring. Yeah. Which is just the other side of of, of perfectionism. Yeah. Um, someone's listening to this, you're working with someone and you're talking to them about like putting it down, like, like trying to let go of this thing and they are terrified of the mess and uh, mm-hmm. how everything's going to go wrong and how, everything will fall apart. What do you, what do you, what would you give them? What, what do you give them?
1: Well, I encourage lightheartedness. Like you're, you're going to, you're going to freak the F out when you're letting go of the reins of control because it's been a habit, you know? So like, I mean, I know you know this with everything you're doing in your practice, Um, probably just saying stuff that you say in a different way. Uh, it's all, it's all habits the whole, the whole shebang of your life is just a bunch of habits. And, um, so you're just creating a new habit. That's it. So like, don't make it into a big melodrama. Just recognize that there's some habits that are working and there are some that aren't, and you're gonna, you're gonna have a pendulum experience. You know, I've, I've never met anybody who drops a habit that doesn't go a little bit to the other extreme for a while till they find that nice sweet spot. And I've done it like more times than I can count. So I think if you can stay curious and less judgmental and harsh on yourself and like really be gentle with yourself in the process, it's way easier to create the experience you want. But so many people are hardwired and consistently hard on themselves. And they're like, it's like, they don't even know what being gentle with themselves means. And and I try to explain to my clients, well, when you don't know what that means, do the opposite of what you've been doing. Like, you know, laugh at yourself when you did something and it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to. Like, just start to be gentle with yourself because you're going to create the results 10 times faster. But being hard on yourself is just another way of feeding their perfectionism and giving it way more life. So... um, I don't know if that really answered the question or not, but I think it's just like being gentle and curious through the process of creating a new pattern. And I do in behavior. And I do think that any kind of new habit we're creating, it takes consistency, which I know is obvious, uh, but you'd be surprised at how many people forget to be consistent.
0: In your life, Mm -hmm. where you know you're a mom how how old is your daughter she just turned 3 so you have a small the tiny human that you are still 100% responsible for yes uh you have you you're married you have a husband um what are the where are these like where are the challenges that you're i think it's so let me i want to rephrase this almost start over but like i think that the world that we see yeah. people see people like you and i we mm-hmm. see people that everybody knows, like the Gary V's, the Tony Robbins that are, that are massive, the Gabby Bernstein's, and we don't always get to see what's like really going on. Right. And that's, that's fine. Right. That we're all, Nike doesn't, you know, tell us what's wrong with their shoes. Right. They're trying to, um, sure. I think there's something really powerful about the vulnerability of sharing our truth yes. and the places that we struggle and the places that we're challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I think sometimes when we look at, especially with social media, it's just like everybody in the transformational space, the coaching space, the consultant, just looks like they're crushing it and like living on beaches and having these great lives. And that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot
1: of sacrifices that went into creating that. Um, And I, you know, I can say this just because of the people in my life who uh, I love very dearly who have you know, uh, public lives. I'm just going to leave it at that without disclosing, you know, I just, yeah, it's not, it's not the highlight reel at all, like at all, you know? And uh, I feel blessed to have seen that with, with people that are in the public eye, because I've taken those lessons and applied them to my own life, you know? And I think that, that's not a necessarily easy thing to do. But like, for instance, for me, which I'll, I'll speak of my experience, it's like, I was, I was on a roll with my career, like, and it was moving, and it was moving fast. And then I got pregnant. And I was like, I'll be back to work in like two months, three months. i love what I do. You know, it's going to be great. Baby's going to sleep all the time. And I was <laughs> sidelined. I was like, what the f- fuck just happened like my whole world was turned upside down when I had my daughter both physically like it took way longer than I thought to recover I felt totally torn between my career and having my child and like being there for her I had enormous amounts of guilt and all I've been talking about was like guilt such a waste of time don't ever worry to my clients and then I was like on a whole other experience and um It took me a really long time and i had postpartum anxiety and it took me like and i've been teaching women how to not be anxious so it was like my world really got turned around when having her and um honestly it's been an ongoing process for me to figure out like what's consistently checking in with what my priorities are and And are my choices in alignment with them? And what does that look like for my family? And what does that look like for my career? And I've made tons of mistakes. And there's been plenty of sacrifices made that have been super uncomfortable, like being distracted with wanting to put energy into my career and not being fully present for my daughter because I was like, my wheels were spinning, you know, and I am so grateful to you that you're asking these questions, Alex, because I think these are the things that need to be talked about way more in in society in general, because there's this whole like having it all story we're being sold. That is, we're not seeing what's happening behind the curtains. And it's not easy. Like my husband and I are both entrepreneurs. We love what we do. We have home offices. And like case in point, one of our guest bedrooms turned into... My office, which you can see my shoes behind us, because my doc, one of the other rooms is now my daughter's room. Like, and it's hard to create a line between work and family life. And like, you know, it's a constant conversation and like curiosity within myself of like, what's working, what's not, what's working, what's not, what's working, what's not. And some days, it's really overwhelming. <laughs> you know? And then most days it's really, really awesome. But I think like the other thing in, in the personal development world is like so many people are saying the same thing over and over again that I get kind of bored with it to be completely honest. And um, that's something that I've recently realized is like, I'm kind of sick of, of all the same tools being told over and over again, because, you know, when somebody's, brother dies or their family dies. They don't want to be told to be fucking grateful. They want to like work through it the way they need to work through it. And, um, I think obviously I have a lot to say about this. I think, you know, there's, there's a very fine line between personal development and using it as another excuse to get perfect at life. And that's where I think like the messiness comes in. And that's what's been huge saving grace for me in this past year is just embracing that entrepreneurship and motherhood is freaking messy. It's about as messy as life could be for me, like pretty much ever. (laughs) And it's a constant cha-cha of like, what's working, what's not, what's working, what's not.
0: Thanks for being so honest and and real and vulnerable in that. The thing that like stood so much out to me, like I know, I have colleagues that are that are mothers and have their own businesses I have friends that are obviously are mothers and some have businesses some had careers um, I think what really stands out about you in this standpoint is you're constantly playing the juggling game versus mm-hmm. giving up one or the other now mm-hmm. most people aren't going to give up the child like that's kind of the, they don't really get the choice yeah. but people I find that I hear which is it's it makes me sad. It's not a, I don't feel bad for them, but I feel sad for the possibility that's lost. When uh, I hear either mothers or fathers, sometimes it's the dad that takes on the responsibility of like doing more of the kind of house, the the home or the, the child raising um, where the, ki- they become a victim to the kid. Like, yeah. well, you don't understand. I can't write that book. I want to write because I have a kid and, and I love that you're actually sharing that, It's not that it's not possible. Mm -hmm. It's messy and it's juggling and you're not going to get it right. And yeah, your book might be messy or your career might be messy or your, your, the things that you're doing with your kid might be messy, Mm -hmm. but it is possible to do the work to kind of almost like slosh through the mud of it. Mm -hmm. And then you get to choose who you want to be about it, Totally. which kind of brings us all the way back to the beginning of the conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, because when I, when I had written out the program that I now have passionately for the online course I have, and it's like, it's my masterclass. It's a big program. It's something I've been so excited to, to put out into the world before my daughter, Sienna was born. And then I got pregnant and I was tired all the time. And I just like, didn't have the energy to finish it. And then I kept talking about doing it, kept talking about doing it. And finally, my husband's like, it's been three years. Are you going to put this thing out into the world? Or like, what? Cause I'm I'm just kind of sick of hearing about it and rightfully so, you know? And, um, finally I was like, you know, I could just keep buying into my excuses of all the reasons why not to do this right now. And, and they were like really valid excuses. Like I had childcare t- 10 hours a week. So, you know, all of that time was eaten up with clients. Um, but I was like, you know what, it's finally a priority and I'm just going to do it. And that's really what it came down to is like, it was a priority to me it and I knew that I wanted to do it I knew that it was like even more than a want it was like a need that I needed to put it out there and so I stayed up super like you know I stayed up super late I did the things that I didn't want to do I woke up at five o'clock in the morning to work before she woke up um and I finally stopped like arguing for my limitations around it and just got it done um and the thing is is like it's it's not like okay it's done and now nothing ever happens like now it's an ongoing part of my work and now there's other projects that i want to do but i also reminded myself that i was capable of doing it and i kind of lost that a little bit for a while after having her
0: it's so it's so crazy how much arguing we all do for what we can't do or for oh. what we're afraid of or yeah that you said it perfectly like arguing for your limitations yeah, but if everyone just stopped and actually went, what am I arguing for? Yeah, you know, throughout my day, sure, most people, if they were honest with themselves, would be like, like would not be happy at the argument they're making. It's it's like they're taking boulders and putting them in front of their path, mm-hmm. and then they're upset mm-hmm. that there are boulders there. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to hear you say it. Um, and also the piece of you made it important, so then you made time for it. I like that made is. time for it, 100%. Yeah. like yeah. you, you know, you, me, anyone in the world, nobody gets extra hours. It's not like you as a successful person secretly figured out how to have a 30-hour day. Mm-mm. You just chose what to do with your time and you chose to put the things that were important in place.
1: Yeah, well, I had a sign forever. I just, I don't know where it is. Because right <laughs> you have as much time? Or it says, what would Beyonce do? And then the other one is like, as much time in your day as Beyonce. And like, she's my homegirl. I love her. And I'm like, yeah, look at this girl. Like, yeah, sure. She's got like, you know, all the help in the world, but she's still working her ass off. Like that's like, this stuff isn't just like happening. She's not putting out records by somebody else singing it for her. She's making the time to do it. And, you know, she's doing her calling. It's obvious to everyone in the world who sees her, she's living out what she's meant to be living out. And I felt like And, you know, I've already written my daughter's letter about this. Like when I, so it already makes me like want to cry and I'm such a crier. But like when I wasn't working for a small period of time, it was really great and blissful. But when I wasn't working, there honestly was like a piece of me that felt like it was dying. I was like, there's something really missing. And it was these kind of conversations, you know, like I just live for that. There's something that comes alive inside of me unlike any other time in my life when I'm doing the work I do. And so I had to be honest with myself about what it was going to look like in order to make that work.
0: I love it. And it probably makes you better. I think that conversation about the dying inside, when you're doing what you want to be doing, you're probably that much of a better mother, a better wife, a happier person, a better friend, all those things.
1: Totally. Totally. I think i'm way everything. more present i'm like I'm, I'm i would honestly say a million times more present on the but, t- especially like when i'm working and now that she's in school a little bit like it helps me because it's like okay i get to do everything and then i'm like totally present with her because i'm not distracted with the other things i want to be doing and that kind of sounds selfish but it's true and another part of the thing with the program and i really want anybody who's listening that can relate to that to to listen to this because the one of my biggest blocks in the staying small was that I thought I had to have like the perfect video crew and like it needed to look super professional and all the things. And then I was like, fuck it. And I just got my iPad out and I recorded the whole thing myself. I edited the whole thing myself and I was like, you know what? This is even more relatable because it's me sitting in my dining room and it's not some big production. And and I got it done because I decided to take it on myself, which was like a huge learning curve. But that was like such a huge block for me that it had to be so professional that that was like attempting to be perfect. And it was totally stopping me. Yeah, so I think it doesn't have to be perfect. Just create. And then you'll be so much happier <laughs> once you just start creating.
0: It's like do, do anything different. Do something when you're when we're stuck when we're when we think we're trying to get it perfect. Like anything different, Mm -hmm. um, we'll have something be different and just take. I hear just in there, just like take action. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love. I I even want. I want to go back for a second just to touch on. I love that you brought up. I always have coaches bring up Beyonce. It's like the Beyonce is is. uh, It's like every female coach has Beyonce as like their icon. Um, I love her. It's the, thing, the thing that I think that's, that is, that is uh, important to say about her or you or me or anyone else is that we all have our own problems in our own life, mm-hmm. right? Like her money, yeah, there's a lot. She gets a lot more choices in life because she has a lot of money. And because she has a lot more money, there's also a lot of things that you and I don't necessarily have to worry about. Like I'm not worried about my accountant robbing me. It's like he's, he's got other people that he can rob. Um, my accountant's probably not robbing anyone, I should say, in case he's yeah, listening. Sure. Or she's listening, actually. Um, but I think that we forget that, like, whether you're you, me, um, Beyonce, Donald Trump, Barack Obama, like, anyone, we all, or somebody who's on welfare. Like, we all have our own individual story and our own individual problems, and they're that real for each person.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They yeah. are the, the the they are the hurricane of their life.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally, and I, I love that they are the hurricane of their life. And I think it's so important to make art out of your challenges, you know. And that's what Beyonce's done. Like, yeah, you know, her and Jay, her and Jay, they had a tough go for a little while. But you know, like I can't even imagine going <laughs> through that in the public eye. Like being in a relationship for a long time has its own set of challenges by itself, let alone like being betrayed and all those things, like going through that in the public eye, that is no joke. I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know? So it's not about like comparing to Beyonce. It's just a reminder of somebody who's using, like I look at it as somebody who's using their time wisely and listening to the call. That's what she is to me. She is like a person who's using her time wisely and listening to the call even when it's scary as hell, she keeps showing up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for putting the the comparison piece in. Cause it's, it's, it's kind of like, it sounds like she calls you to be your best yeah. and it's not you to be her best. You're not trying to be her, but she is a call forth for you to be your version of your best.
1: Totally.
0: I have some like rapid fire questions that I want to hit you with. Um, yeah. And I think she's the answer to the first one, but I won't check in. Um, The question is who's the person that you most like either want to learn from or learn from in life? Oprah. Thanks. What about, what's your, if you have one book that you would think everyone should read, what's that book?
1: One book. What's your one book?
0: I think and I don't know that everyone could read it cuz I think it's just like it's so deep is it's called oneness by Rasha uh-huh. um and it's like it's it's in you know conversations with God yes it's like conversations with God but on like steroids oh um, wow but if you are it it cracked open spirituality for me in like a whole new way and so it has a very personal like mm. because I was not somebody who had any connection to any of that And Mm -hmm. as I started to go in, it was the one that it was like the, the home run of the things that kind of pushed me along. But yeah, that would, that, and um, if I had to say two, I think, uh, what is it? Um, I think the book of joy was really powerful.
1: Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: What would be yours?
1: One book. I mean, that
0: is. I I said said, said two. Okay. I
1: I know I'm like overcomplicating it. Okay. So the first thing that comes to my mind And it is not because I'm a parent, although it of course has different meaning to me because of being a parent, but it is actually conscious parent, the conscious parent by Dr. Shefali Sosbury. I think it is like, I wish every human being on the planet would read that book. Um, can I pick another one? (laughs) I actually just read this book and it is amazing. Something Something. like happy and it's not a personal development book, but I highly recommend it.
0: Nice. Um, Who's the person if you could, if you could work with any one person alive or dead, I don't care. Choose alive. It's better. Maybe Mm -hmm. you'll get them. You could work with any one person. Who would it be?
1: As a client? Yeah. Or Or as a a client. Me working with somebody as a coach or.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They hire you to work with them. They hire me. Coach. Yeah.
1: Wow, I've never thought of that before. Um, Can we come back to that one? I have to think about it.
0: Sure. What's your biggest wish for your daughter?
1: (sighs) Oh, That she feels... My biggest wish for her is that she feels totally comfortable being herself everywhere she goes.
0: What's the biggest challenge of being a coach and being in this space where you're developing yourself constantly, consistently and constantly and being married. <laughs>
1: so many things. Um, <laughs> remembering that I'm not my husband's coach and that
0: nice.
1: it doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the biggest thing. Nice. Keeping um, my myself when necessary.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, Okay, last one, unless we come back to the other one, but what's the thing that you most want to do that terrifies you the most?
1: Speak on stage in front of thousands of people and then at the end, sing.
0: Oh, wow. Are you a singer? Mm -hmm. Or is that why? Oh, nice. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, I can't think of one person that I want to that I want to coach. I can't, I, I think Sienna Miller is really interesting. So maybe I would say her.
0: Okay. Yeah. There's no right, right. There's no right answer to any of this. It's all yeah. just what you find interesting. You could have, you could have said Beyonce. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't think
0: she needs me. <laughs> I, I she <laughs> um, Ashley, thank you. Thank you so much for the, 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 i'm the things that i'm really present to in talking to you are how determined you are to make a difference how -hmm. committed you are to make a difference but not just like in the world that's part of it but a difference for yourself for your family for your daughter Mm -hmm. um thanks for being really real vulnerable honest um i'm always curious when i have these conversations are are people going to really go there when i ask like are they really going to share about them because some people don't want to Mm -hmm. um But thanks for that gift because I think that's where we really get to see people and we get to learn. So thanks for really doing the thing that you kind of talked about, which is like letting us see you in a really honest, um, kind, like loving and vulnerable light.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for this amazing conversation for all the work you're doing. I'm so grateful for it and for, you know, really inviting men to have this conversation and do the work. And I know you work with women as well, but I think it's, so important for men to have somebody as powerful as you and as tuned in to to guide them through some really important work it's amazing thank you you're such a great listener and you're really great at asking good questions (laughs)
0: thanks (laughs) thank you for all that um if people want to find you you know like see what you're up to track you down do one of your courses talk to you you know whatever they might want to do um how do they track you down how do they do this
1: so they can go to my site, which is um, I'll, all my, I'll
0: the spelling, I'll put the spelling and everything in the show notes for them. Okay,
1: yeah. So just go to my site. Uh, all my stuff lives there. Or you can also find me like from a social standpoint. I'm mostly on Instagram and a little bit on Facebook, but I like Instagram better. And that's it.
0: Awesome. So when Beyonce hears this, reach out to your girl. You guys can Yeah, be-
1: Beyonce. I'm here for you.
0: Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason podcast. So you don't miss an episode, share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova on Instagram, Instagram, at inspirational alex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at the and remember you are a dream mason because your dreams don't believe that so.